Who likes bread? I know all my keto people, all my Atkins people, you're like, get away from me, Satan, get behind me with those carbs. In the opening text, we see this, um, this moment in which Jesus is teaching the masses. And, and in this, there's this reality that people need to eat. How many like to eat? I'm often asked the question, Marty, why do you refer to the food, food groups so much while you're preaching? My answer is everybody eats. I mean, everybody eats something at some time of the day. And so here we see this moment of teaching. Jesus is uh, talking to the masses. And what's unique to me about this is he already knew they needed to eat. Jesus knows your needs before you ask. And we see the awareness that even though he is teaching primarily kingdom things and eternal things, he is not indifferent to the needs of the physical nature in which God made us physical. You know, God knows that you're a physical being. God made you that way. Jesus was God in the flesh. He was physical as well. So we see this dynamic here in which Jesus is preaching and teaching, but he's also clearly aware of the needs that they have. When you think about this, Jesus was always aware of people's needs. We see this happening throughout the Bible. We see the fact he healed them. He fed them. He, he cried with them. He loved them. He, he died for them. Jesus is not indifferent to your needs at the same time. Jesus lives with a clear awareness that your greatest needs are not physical, but they're spiritual. They're not physical. Now, the challenge we have is all of us live with a great awareness of our physical needs. We, we're aware of our need for sleep, our need for food, our need for air, our need for light. And we appreciate the sunlight coming out today in Chicagoland. Thank God for that. We're aware of our need to see the beauty of life. We're aware of our physical needs much more often and sometimes even greater than our spiritual needs. Now, I want to add some more scripture to this context. Go to John chapter 6, go to verse 24. We're in the same chapter, but I'm going to read some more into this story because there's a lot that happens. In fact, if you get a chance, read today later on John 5, 6, and 7. It's a, it's a chunk of verses, but it won't hurt you, I promise you. But it's a good picture of Jesus Christ. And What's unique about this miracle of the multiplying of the long John Silver's bag is that, is that Jesus is setting up a earthly picture with a heavenly meaning. This is not really about bread and fish, and although he used it, that's not the point. It's not really about earthly food, although he understands that need. So we go to John chapter 6, verse 24. And we see this verse take off. It says, when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there. He's not there. He's moved the other side. Nor the disciples, they also got in boats. What happened? Jesus and the disciples go across the sea. And this is where he walked up on the water. And now we have this awareness of the people that, hey, that guy that fed us yesterday is gone. Where is that guy at? Keep reading the text. It says, they got in boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me. Now watch this. You seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. Now, right there, he's setting this tone that you guys are coming for me not because of something spiritual, 
something miraculous, which would have been pretty impressive to watch the multiplication of the loaves and the fishes. I mean, can you get your mind around that for just a half a second? To literally watch a small lunch begin to feed the multitude, that would have been an amazing thing to see the bread that never stopped being broken. And every time he broke a piece, more bread showed up. Every time he broke some fish or passed some fish, more fish showed up. Can you kind of get your mind around the miracle that you would have seen? But he says right here, he says, you're following for me and looking for me, not because of the miracle, but because I fed you. He's identifying that we have this instance in us, we have this propensity in us that we want to be taken care of in our fleshly self. And he doesn't say it's a bad thing. But he gives the idea that we might want to consider the priority of things in our life. Keep reading the text here. He says, do not labor for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. Now, who is the only giver of everlasting life? Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Son of God, through Jesus is the key way, the, the, the gateway to everlasting life. And he gives this first tip of the hand here that he's now putting himself in the food category. Keep reading the text here. Which the Son of Man will give to you because God the Father has sent his seal, set his seal upon him. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God. Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Verse 30, I'm almost done. I know it's lengthy, but you got to hear all this. Therefore, they said to him, what sign, you got to love this. They said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? Didn't he just perform a sign? Didn't he just multiply a boy's lunch and feed a few thousand people? How many of you guys are impressed with that ability? Oh, they're not. Oh, so what are you gonna do to prove to us that you have that power? I'm like, did you not just see what happened yesterday? <laughs> he says, he looked at me, he says, um, um, our father, they said, our fathers ate manna in the desert as it's written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 34, almost done, two more verses. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never thirst, or shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Think of this right here. He's introducing himself in this picture, at this moment, in this chapter, that the bread you just saw feed the multitude, and the bread you came looking for because you crossed the sea to find me, that very bread is me. Now, you, you got to get this because some start down this pathway of looking at the literal side of what Jesus is doing for us. He's given this imagery for us to understand that just as we need bread in this context, they need him. And he's saying that you came across because I filled your stomach, 
but you should come across because I can save your soul. He's changing the narrative here by utilizing this physical and spiritual conglomeration. What you see here is a collision of the natural and the spiritual. And notice again how Jesus said to them that he, he, they, they showed up not because of his teaching, but because he filled their tummies. How easy is it for us to be attracted to the natural man and the needs of the natural man while being indifferent to the needs of the spiritual man? In fact, Ecclesiastes says this, Ecclesiastes says that we, we toil for our mouths, yet we're never satisfied. You know, hunger is the greatest need a man has or a woman has. Hunger at the end of the day will make a sane person into a complete animal to get food should they have to do that. When you get hungry, you'll do whatever it takes. If you've ever been actually hungry, which most of us in the West have not experienced that, if you've ever experienced a true depth of hunger, there'll be nothing that will stop you to satisfy that internal craving to sustain yourself. It's a, it's a natural need, certainly. And here's a reality for us. Until our spirit man drives our cravings, I'll be fed only to be hungry again, and I will drink only to thirst again. But there is a source that can quench my hunger and my thirst, and his name is Jesus. What's this talking about? Well, let's just break this down a little bit closer today. Let's talk about the bread of life. In fact, I wish I had some bread. Pastor Michael, is there some bread right there by any chance? I often, always, I always have bread on the front row. Amazing how cool this is. I just, I just happen to have some bread. I just got back from Africa, and uh, by the way, I had a great time. Africa is a great place. You should all go. Um, it's a tiring trip because it's a long distance. Just fun. Bread. Everybody say bread. bread. Now, bread is interesting because Jesus uses this bread. Take this back, Pastor Michael. Throw it to you. Jesus uses this bread to, to draw attention to both the physical but the spiritual. Now, when he says, I'm the bread of life, he's not suggesting that he is a loaf of bread. Any more than he suggests he's a doorway when he says, I'm the door, or that he is a, um, a light when he says, I'm the light. That he, he, that's not the point. He's, he's drawing connection to things we understand in the physical that now indicate a truth in the spiritual. And bread is part of life. If you travel the world, you know that bread is almost everywhere, in particular in the nations of the Bible times, bread's a common food group. It is, uh, it is central to every meal. If you travel the world enough, you will know that there's things you can't eat and can't drink in different countries. If you have a Western stomach, do not touch that. I know. <laughs> I'll never do it again. But the one thing almost guaranteed, you can always eat the bread. There's something about this picture. There's something about this bread moment that we see in this text that Jesus is saying to us, there's a deeper thing here, but I'm the bread you need, not this bread. So let's break this down for a few moments real fast. Let's look at this real fast as we end our series today on the friend of God and look at the idea of bread. First of all, when you look at this, he's telling us that without him, we are empty. We are empty without Christ. There is not a day that passes that we do not witness firsthand mankind's attempt to fill our souls with the wrong things. 
When you see tragedy hit the world and it hits us on a regular basis so much so that there is not enough time to address everything you see as an individual, what we see is the fact that society and even the church is trying to fill a need without the right source than the only the source that can fill that need. It's been said this way that in the church today, we are filled with what we call functional atheists. People that profess and window dress their faith, but live their life as if there is no God. Functional atheism. Yeah, he's there, and yes, I do the deal on Sunday, I do the deal in small group life, and I cross the T's and dot the I's. When it comes to my normal life every day, I, I live a life that validates that I'm in charge of things. When you look at present behaviors in the earth today, the tragedies of humanity, we can see time and again that we're trying to sustain ourselves with the wrong bread. We feed our soul on the wrong substance, and then we wonder why we're hungry while we're thirsty, while we're never satisfied. While we keep coming back to the same tension points, there's nothing new under the sun because the thing that's gotta become new is Jesus Christ present and active in our life every day. That has to become new as believers and in the world today. See, to be a present follower of Christ means to understand that he is the source that you need everywhere. Jesus is not just a snack buffet. He's a complete way of life. He, he's not just something that can satisfy you for a second or two or, 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 or cure you with a, a releasing of guilt or shame of your past. He can do that certainly, but he's much bigger than it. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way to the Father. He is the key to your life. He is the one that can sustain you and deliver you and set you free. He is the bread you need. Without him, you are empty. Without Jesus, we are empty. We must have Jesus in our life every day, present. He's the bread we need. We also see in this picture, this story, the idea that we are easily satisfied by the temporal, yet indifferent to the eternal. He said to him, you guys came across because I fed you. Now think about this. They, they just watched a miracle. They, they just watched something amazing take place and he filled their stomachs and then Jesus knowing their thoughts you, you don't mess with Jesus he knows what you're thinking he knows what you're asking for he knows your motive behind the questions he says to them you're here for the wrong reasons have you ever considered the reasons while you pursue after God? Is it the right reasons or the wrong reasons? Is it, is it for something temporal? Is it for identity? Is it for acknowledgement? Is it for position? Is it for uh, relationships? Why do you pursue after God? Is it for the right purpose? Or is it even a temporal purpose? No matter how you mask it, Jesus knows why you keep showing up. Jesus knows why you open the word. Jesus knows why you call upon him. And my prayer for you today is that you call upon him for the right reasons and that you realize he is the bread that you need to sustain your life because without him you are empty, but be certain that you're not satisfied in the natural while indifferent to the supernatural, the spiritual. The part of you that will never die is the most important part of your being. 
Matthew's gospel said it this way. He said, what does it do for a man to gain the entire world but lose his soul? If I gain it all but lose the most important part of me, I've gained nothing at all. Yet our nature, our propensity is to feed ourselves on things that leave us hungry every day. Drink ourselves on things that leave us thirsty. All the while, he is living water and he is living bread that can change your entire life. Third quick thought off this entire text of John chapter six. Jesus is as central to them as bread was to their culture. Look at the Bible. How often is bread talked about? All the time. And if you, again, if you study the world, go out, go out through our history, bread's a common denominator amongst all people groups of all food groups. It's a, it's a common thing. You can go to Mexico, you can go to Europe, you can go to Africa, you can go wherever, wherever you want to. Bread is a common conversation because people eat bread. If you go to Israel, if you go to any part of the Middle East, you go to Greece, any place like that, you'll find that bread's always in front of you. They're making bread, they're baking bread, they're tossing bread, they're passing bread out. You can always eat the bread. Bread was central, and what he's saying is, just as this bread was central, I am central to you and this culture. Yet, they were focused not on their need of him, but their need to fill their stomach. It's funny how that happens, isn't it? Fourth thing we see in this text that Jesus offers us something eternal that actually satisfies us. He's saying, if you eat of me, partake of me. And again, he is not suggesting that he's a piece of bread. Hear me today. I push back on that boldly that God is not suggesting, Christ is not suggesting he's a piece of bread. He's giving us imagery to this picture of food that I can eat and how it sustains me. But what he's saying here is what I'm going to offer you is something eternal, not just temporal. In fact, in the Gospel of John, which we're going to focus on coming out of Easter, we're going to go through the whole book of John together as a church, Jesus talks about several I am statements. I am the way, I am the door, I am the light, I am the water, I'm the bread. Jesus uses these analogies and picture words to draw connection to things they want to understand. He's saying here that if you need me, you need bread and you need me like you need bread. Today, you need Jesus more than your next meal. Psalms 34 says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is indeed what? Good. Fifth thing we see in this text is real simple. Each one of us must take a survey of ourselves and define what drives us in our hungers. Why did they cross that sea anyway? To get some food. Not because he had the way of life. Not because he had the key to the eternal hope. Not because he had the wisdom that only God can give to a man. But they were hungry. And hungry people will do whatever it takes. And today I pray that you'll find a place in your journey with Jesus Christ. At some point you begin to realize that the greatest hunger I should ever have is not for my next meal but for his presence. The greatest hunger, what should drive me is to know his word. The greatest hunger should be to put everything aside. That's what fasting is. Fasting is a time and space in which you set aside the natural man cravings and you pursue the spiritual man cravings. What's funny is that any kind of fast is difficult for almost all of us because of our hunger in the natural sense can drive us. 
And today my prayer for you, Calvary Church, and those watching online, those in the house and those online, is that at some point in this journey, your hunger for the things of God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be what? Filled. So my prayer for you today is you can leave this service there with a hunger for the things of God, a hunger for the things of heaven, a hunger for truth, a hunger for righteous living, a hunger for the things of God, a hunger to know him deeper, a hunger that exceeds your natural hunger. If Jesus is on the other side, is he alone not worth the trip across the sea? But he said to me, he said, you guys came not because I taught you, because I filled your tummies. I'm intrigued by the fact that they came because he performed a sign and then they asked for another sign. What's that tell you about our nature? What's that tell you about our human nature? What's it tell you about me and about you? What's it tell us about ourselves that we are quick to be satisfied yet quick to forget everything we just satisfied by? We're, we're, we're quick to consumerize things and put it back in the terms of what's next. We never really embrace the now because next is always the tension. We, we tend to think about things in terms of comparison to previous and this or that. But the truth is, this is a deep spiritual issue. Because whether or not God ever performs in front of you a miracle, whether or not he ever gives you the prayer request you had two weeks ago, whether or not he does any of those things, if he has set you free from your sinful past, you've received the greatest miracle of all. You are free, you're delivered, you have eternal hope in Christ. Today you have a, a, a destiny in, in a place called heaven. What more could you ask for? Yet we all know somebody who engaged with God somewhere on the journey and then they kind of faded back because they quit seeing the things they thought they should see in God. Hear me today, any long-term relationship runs the risk of being destroyed from boredom. Your Christian life, been saved for 10, 20, 30 years, yeah, it's just church. What do you mean it's just church? You're going to the house of God to worship. You're going into his presence. You're going to see his people. You're going to lift up his name. What do you mean it's just church? Well, it doesn't matter. It matters tremendously. This is the house of God. This is the place his presence dwells. This is the place where his body gathers together. It matters immensely. Well, it's not a big deal I'm there. It's a huge deal that you're here. But the longer you're in this, the more it becomes a commonplace. And the more it becomes a, well, I want to see one more miracle. I want to see one more sign. I want to see one more moment in which I can truly know that this merits my time and investment. Listen, if nothing else, I show up to the house of God because I believe that God is real and Jesus is alive. What else do you need? What else do you need? I open the Bible not because I actually met the authors in person, but because I believe that God's the author of this book. That's why I open the Word of God. I pray not because I can see him across the hallway. I pray because I know he hears. I believe he's a hearing God today. 
That's why I do that. I don't have to have a recent occurrence in my life that says the power of God fell in a fresh way. What amazing thing that was. Listen, if God never ever, if I never experienced God in a tangible way the rest of my life, I still believe he is a good and a loving and a faithful God. I don't have to have a new sign. I know what he's done for me. I know who he is. I know where I'm going. I know I'm delivered from my sinful past. I know that Jesus is alive. I don't need anything else in my life. I have the assurance of God being who he says he is to me. But our nature, our nature, your nature, not just mine, but your nature is, I need to see something. Show me one more thing to prove that you're a God worthy of my time and investment. Last thing we see in this picture, and this lands our plane on the, on the bread. Let's go back to the question. Let's go back to the question Philip asked, uh, <clears throat> Where are we going to find some bread to feed these people? Everybody say, find some bread. Now, Jesus, in that conversation, he, had, he knew the answer. In fact, I love because the Bible says he was testing them. Jesus knew he was the bread. He knew he'd make the bread possible. And I'm going to argue that he knew there was a boy with a lunch there. But Philip, his response is, oh, it's going to take a lot of money. We're gonna, it's going to be some work to get this thing done. Oh, there's a boy with a lunch. Now think about this real fast. What we start seeing here is our application for today. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus used natural bread to illustrate the need we have for him. And he used the disciples as part of the process of distributing the bread. The bread was never about the body. The bread was always about the soul, the eternal part. It was not about the physical, it was about the spiritual. It was not about the temporal, it was about the eternal. And Jesus took this bread, began to break it and multiply it, began to feed the people. He would later say that he would be broken for the people. He would be broken. But notice the picture here taking place. Jesus is the bread of life. People have to eat. But the stomach conversation is a gateway to the soul conversation. How many know people today who need some bread? People that eat. Pastor Michael, by chance, do you happen to have a smaller loaf of bread? Just out of curiosity, I don't know if we have a small loaf of bread here in the house. Oh, we have that too. How amazing is that? I love this. My question for you today is who do you know that needs not just physical bread, but they need the bread of life? Today when you leave, we're going to give you a piece of bread with an invitation to Easter on it. And I want you to take it to somebody because Jesus always used the people to distribute the bread. Derek, there you go. Jesus always used the people to distribute. Today, you're the people. The hungry people are both in here and out there. But do they know there's bread available for them? And that's where you come in.